Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Righty-ho, we're heading into another round of the Rugby Championship. This week on the Rugby Pass podcast, Scotty Stevenson is joined by, out of South Africa, but currently in Australia, Matthew Pearce of Supersport. Matthew, this is a test match of great intrigue for those of us who are leading the Rugby Championship and looking to see which of these two teams can bounce back. The Springboks under pressure for very different reasons than the Australians. But you see a Springbok side that I think you suspect is on the verge of putting in a performance. Well, I certainly hope so, uh, Scotty. I, you know, I try and pick out the positives in most things. It's <laughs> the nature of what I do. And uh, I think if, if I reflect on uh, the test matches that the Springboks have played so far this year, the three against Ireland, the two against Argentina, there have been glimpses, albeit... Uh, irregular ones at times that they are capable of putting together something special. And I, I think about coming back against Ireland at uh, Emirates Airline Park in Johannesburg, second test, 19 points down in the second half, having lost the first test. Mm. They produced half an hour of rugby there, which uh, suggested that they are capable of, of some really good things. Their challenge has been putting it together for extended periods of time. They they seem to have done pretty well, uh, ironically, with their backs to the wall when they're under the greatest pressure. They put in a, a woeful first half uh, in Salta against Argentina, but grimly fought their way back into the game uh, and lost it at the death, uh, which was hugely disappointing to them. I think another thing that they really do need to get right, you know, you would know as well as anyone, uh, one of the hallmarks of great South African teams has been their ability to kick their goals and, and maintain scoreboard pressure. That has not been the case with the 2016 Springboks. They left a lot of points out there in a number of tests, uh, not least in Salta, where 14 were left out there mm-hmm. in a game that they lost by two. Look, I, I just want to talk about Alistair Kutsia here. He, he's come into the side. It, it wasn't an appointment that was shall we say, universally appreciated by many South African rugby fans. And I know you, you, you take a different side to the story, but I've always found Alistair to be a very astute coach. He worked very hard with the Stormers on a very simplistic game plan. He has taken on a Springbok side that is under pressure, that has political pressure surrounding South African rugby. And we're, I think what we're seeing with Alistair 
is a little bit, uh, he's caught betwixt and between his own philosophies that have worked a long time with Stormers and a new philosophy emerging amongst some of the youngsters in South African rugby. Is Alistair Kutsia the kind of coach that is going to be able to bind those philosophies together to come up with a winning game plan? Well, obviously, I'm going to say yes. Yes, I believe he can. I, I, I do think that some of uh, what he did at the Stormers was perhaps slightly misunderstood. You know, they, they went to the top of the South African conference, I think it was three times under his leadership. And the critics would say, well, you know, it was a defensive game plan that got them to that point and a defensive game plan that couldn't win them playoff games. I think what defense does is it gives you the opportunity to counterattack. And, you know, they've put together some extremely good performances by uh, playing off turnover ball, which was won through their superior defensive system. But I do think the game has evolved since then, and I I think there's an acknowledgement of that. Um, You blokes down there in New Zealand, you always set the benchmarks. Thanks for that. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, there is a desire, both amongst coaching staff and players, to adopt a, a, a more ball-in-hand style. But I think coming with that is also, it's, it's probably one of my worst cliches from a player and a coach as a broadcaster. You would get this, this Scotty. Uh, we've got to play in the right areas. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Let's narrow that down, shall we? So, so one, of, one of the key things over these first five test matches is there has been a genuine desire uh, to keep ball in hand. Uh, but at test match level, there's that much less time. Mm. And they've been caught out trying to play in the proverbial wrong areas, which then creates pressure, which opponents can turn into points. So, you know, we need, especially at 10 in, in Yankees, we need to have a player who, who is going to step up and take a game by the scruff of the neck, dictate it tactically with his boots. But Alistair is a wonderful man. You've met him many times. He's, uh, the players enjoy him. Uh, but this has been an interesting week, Scotty. You know, he's had some very harsh words, I know, behind the scenes with some very senior Springboks. So there aren't many very yeah. senior Springboks in this team, so you can work out who they are probably. But he has asked them uh, to take a substantial step up and feels that some of them are playing on reputation. And uh, he's giving them a chance, but uh, it could well be... A last chance. Well, I mean, I haven't been involved in those conversations. You're on the Rugby Pass podcast, by the way. Scotty Stevenson alongside Matthew Pearce at the moment out of Supersports South Africa ahead of the South Africa-Australia Test Match in Brisbane this week. Uh, I would say one of those players would be Eben Etzebeth uh, playing in his 50th Test Match. I mean, here's a guy who is a pretty natural rugby talent, uh, but the Springbok line-out is not the force it once was. If Yankees can get this team in the right position on the field and play in the right areas, as you suggest, Matthew, it's, it's a guy like Etzebeth who will be able to stand up, lead that line out, and lead that driving pack? That's what they have to do, surely. Well, absolutely. I, I, you've nailed that one. He he is one of those who, uh, you know, the coach has has asked for a, a much improved performance. He becomes the youngest Springbok ever to fifty. By the way, he's still mm. just twenty four years of age. And he's only, how big he'll be. Well, and he's only played. He'll be when he grows up. That's <laughs> And he's only played forty two games for the Stormers. That's the remarkable that's thing. That's right. Yeah, well, he's had three pretty serious injuries, and mm. most of those have kept him out of action. You know, in in the front half of the year, 
So from a test rugby perspective, it's, the timing's been perfect, if timing's ever perfect with an injury. <laughs> but but you're right, he, he does need to step up. He needs to lead. Uh, this is a pretty ferocious pack that uh, Kutsia has selected. I mean, he's gone with a 6-2 split on the bench. Because Francois Hochart's starting on the wing, he covers uh, scrum half or halfback. And uh, he's also got Jesse Creel in there covering... Uh, the outside backs and fullbacks. So, so he's only got Mornay Stane and Lionel Mapu on the bench, uh, and he's picked Peter Steff to Toy and Franco Mostert and Jaco Creel, uh, along with his three front row forwards. So, I think we can expect the Springboks uh, through the likes of Etzebeth, Lord Diacha, and those players off the bench to play very direct. Um, you know, it's not rocket science. You need to have Hooper and Pocock making tackles and sure. not hovering around tackles. Sure. So, I think they'll they'll run hard at them. Matty, one final question as we as we look forward to this test match, and I think it will be a belter of a test match. This I really do. Two teams that just are desperate to win a game of footy, but I do want to touch on the uh, Adrian Strauss issue at the moment. There has been some criticism once again from a certain section of the Springbok fan base saying, if Adrian is going to retire from international rugby, why was he made captain in the first place, and was he the best decision uh, for Kutsia to make? Uh, he's another one which I think this is a misdirected from those Springbok fans. Adrian has proved himself over a long period of time as a consistent performer who is popular among the team. Do you see any problem at all with Adrian having been given the captaincy of this team? Absolutely none whatsoever. So when they got together for the uh, for the series against Ireland, uh, let's look at the facts. Uh, SA Rugby had been very clear uh, in their directive that uh, the Springbok captain must be playing in South Africa. So, and, and I happen to agree with that. I, I think, uh, although we do continue to select uh, foreign-based players, that is going to diminish, according to what what SA Rugby have been saying to us. But they are adamant that the captain must play in South Africa. I agree. You know, he's an ambassador for South African rugby. He needs to be around. It's, I was thinking about it. If you if you only uh, if, if you were based outside of South Africa and you're a Springbok captain, there's a good chance you'd only be in the country for seven weeks of the year. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that, that's just not good enough. So I agree with that. So then look at your options. Uh, your, your options were Adrian Strauss, who captained the Cheetahs and the Bulls uh, with, with considerable success and, and picked himself at the time as a hooker. Your only other captaincy option, uh, as I saw it, was Patrick Lambie. I mean, people have been saying, well, what about mm. Warren Whiteley at mm. the Lions? Well, in the first two tests against Ireland, Warren Whiteley didn't start. Yeah, and look, he's not, yeah, exactly. I mean, your captain's got to be a first pick, doesn't he? Exactly. So so the options were Lambie and Strauss, as I saw it. And, you know, Pat Lambie, a very, very softly spoken man, he may well continue to play a role a leadership role in the future, but I'm not sure it's something he would necessarily cherish uh, as a role. Um, and um, so, Adrian, I mean, no disrespect to him. I'm not saying he was the only choice, but he, there was certainly, they weren't falling out of trees uh, for <laughs> Alistair Kutia. And, and even if he did know that, that he was intending to retire, uh, the appointment was only made for the first three tests against Ireland. And yep. one that, once that series was done, uh, they had another conversation, and he said, "Would you be agreeable to staying on till the end of the year?" And he said, "Yes." Mm. And I just don't have a problem. Somebody challenged me on it this week. They said, "Well, how can you pick him if you know you can't be focused 
on, on your game if you know you're going to retire? I said, my response was, well, Dan Carter looked pretty focused in the World Cup final. Yeah. And he'd been talking about retiring at the end of the World Cup the whole year. Yeah, my 100%. What's the issue? Yeah, there What's is the none. Issue? No, there is none. I totally agree with you, Matty. Hey, Matt Pierce, great to have you on the Rugby Pass podcast today. Enjoy that test match, old son. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch up when you're in uh, New Zealand next week ahead of the box and the oh. All Blacks. Yeah, we look forward to Christchurch immensely. Okay, pal. Thanks very much. <laughs> okay, mate. Bye Cheers. now. Matt Pearce, uh, Supersports South Africa commentator there ahead of the uh, Brisbane Test match between the Wallabies and the Springboks. And of course, that is live on Rugby Pass. Still to come on the podcast today, we look ahead to uh, both the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Box playing the Wallabies and, of course, the All Blacks hosting Argentina in the Tron Cowtown. There at the moment, Justin Marshall Former All Black halfback and now broadcaster with Sky Sport New Zealand. Marshy, good A. Good A, Sumo. Nice to be talking to you. I am. I'm in the Tron. It's a family. It's cold, but I've been here and it's been worse. And it sounds yeah. like it's going to be okay for the game. I look forward to this game and I look forward to watching the Argentinians play. I want to start with something we talked about on the Rugby Pass website this week, Marshy. The importance of lineouts currently in world rugby and the All Blacks' domination of that area of the game. Have the lineouts become the most important facet of the All Blacks' performance? It's become a, a major contributor of what they're doing and doing so well on the field and their game plan, absolutely. Like, let's, let's click back uh, a few years and think about the problems that the All Black lineout yeah. had, in particular against the likes of Australia, who were, were exceptional uh, defensively and causing us lots of headaches, lots of pressure on our hookers. And uh, it was becoming a real problem for the All Blacks. Now it's perceivable, as you mentioned, strength and something they really rely on. So the hard work that's gone in there, and I do believe a lot of that hard work has been uh, Steve Hansen. A um, big part of what he wanted was, was line-out consistency. He wanted to have it as a weapon, and I certainly agree with you that it is now the All Blacks uh, not only using it to launch with, causing the opposition headaches as well. Yeah, I want to talk about that, too, because if we go back to the Rugby World Cup, Justin, and you were up there, of course, uh, calling games, but 17, 79 of their 84 lineouts won, and then they stole 15 opposition lineout balls. I mean, no team comes close to that sort of lineout statistic. As we have seen so far in the Rugby Championship, they have scored four tries from lineout, one try from lineout still. There is not a single other team in this championship that has scored one try from their own lineout ball. I mean, that, that to me, says everything we need to know about how they are using their line-out, what sort of strike plays they are forming off it. But the question I want to ask you is, as a halfback, as someone who is standing behind a line-out and thinking about your attacking options, 
why is the line-out so much more valuable, in a sense, than the scrum? Well, basically, because you congregate the players in that area, um, from, from scrum attack, the flankers are pretty regimented and they're set in their, in their positional um, requirements where they are. So number eight uh, and the two flankers, they know defensively their system and where to work from. The line-out, you can cause them some problems because... You, with your variations and where you win your ball, also where you uh, position some of your players, defensively, it's just harder to read where the player's going and players are a lot more out of position. And sometimes, if you even shorten to just a six-man, it means putting a back, I mean a forward in the back line. And yeah. that, again, throws up some headaches. So if you can do all of that, but then not only sumo win your ball. Now, win your ball is winning your ball. That's cool, no problem. But it's the quality of ball that you're getting. If you can get ball where it's good quality ball, it's delivered to the halfback where he can move and sweep onto it. Those players are all congregated in that 15-metre channel. So you've got the whole rest of the field to attack. Now, scrums, they're all over the place. But a line-out, you know, every time you go there, you've got the whole width of the field and you get the delivery right. You've got seven players or 14 players if you take both lots plus the two halfbacks in one small area of the field, boy, it opens up some opportunities if you've got good line-out. You know, last year we watched that Argentinian side score two line-out drive tries against the All Blacks in Napier, maybe in the year before, but we knew that that was a weapon for them, and then New Zealand's line-out defence was not great. Uh, That's changed a little bit now. Argentina, I don't think the line-out is the weapon it once was for them. So what about from an Argentinian point of view? We know they like to throw the ball around. We know they like to run with the ball. My question mark over this Argentinian side is they haven't been forced to make a lot of tackles so far in their two tests against South Africa. And of the tackles they've been forced to make, they've still missed 20% of them. They cannot surely afford to miss 20% of their tackles against an all-black side that is going to make them make a hell of a lot of them. Yeah, they're going to have to make a lot more, I agree with you. And you can ill afford to uh, fall off tackles against the All Blacks. Many line breaks that are so lethal, so ruthless, when they can get through the line, when they can break a one-on-one tackle, the flood lines, the support lines are excellent, you know, and uh, they've got players that can then really capitalise on those tackle breaks. Mm. Argentina will be asked to make a lot more tackles. There's no doubt about that because the All Black ball retention is so very good. Whether they can hang on and defensively then try and come up with something on attack uh, is a big question mark really over their game and their game plan. Uh, They'll be asked, again, really a lot of questions that they haven't been asked against South Africa who probably haven't found the balance in their game plan yet, whereas the All Blacks... Frightening thing for me is I reckon in the first two tests against Australia, the All Blacks were reasonably conservative with their game plan. I don't think that they really unleashed the, the, the style of game they want to evolve after the exodus of players that have moved on. Mm. They just wanted to make sure they nailed down most of the basics, got their ruck speed, got their attitude, and um, and got those two test matches out of the way. And they've done that. So look out, Argentina, because I'm expecting more from the All Blacks this weekend. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a couple of matchups all weekend, I think, too, Justin, from a New Zealand point of view. The first up, Kieran Reid and Facundo Issa, the two number eights. Reid is playing extraordinary code again this year, and I think a lot of that has to do with Sam Kane's ability in the tight. He is allowing Kieran Reid to play his natural style of game. Facundo Issa, the best ball runner in that Argentinian side. The eight battle is going to be great, but so is that halfback battle. Aaron Smith, we know his quality, but Martin Landajo may well be the most important player for this Argentinian team? Yeah, very good point you make because he is actually 
a sort of uh, small pipe-like clone of, of Aaron Smith. And whilst he, he is not at the level of consistency and also probably but no one in his in the world mm. have the speed around the field and the and the anticipation that Aaron Smith does, Randajo is very important uh, to this Argentinian team, I think. We saw in Super Rugby with him missing out of that Haguaris team. Yeah. They just weren't the same. So when you look at him and what he can offer this team, it's a great matchup. And also you mentioned Issa. Well, 100%, he's their best ball carrier, probably apart from from Creevy, who does carry a lot, and yeah. he's a dangerous ball runner. But when you combine those two players, and if they can work together eight and nine, and try and ask All Blacks some questions and bring in the likes of Sam Kane, as you mentioned, uh, defensively, so that he has to work more and, and then he can't get his hands on the ball as much, which brings Kieran Reid in. Maybe that's an opportunity for Argentina. Where do you see the All Blacks going? We know they're the biggest kicking side in the world at the moment, although that's masked by the fact that they can still score a lot of ball-running tries. But yeah, Bowden Barrett kicks the ball more than any other first five. The All Blacks have done this for years and years and years, convincing the world that they don't kick much at all. But their kicking game is so accurate. Their 28s are sharp. Uh, and they're going to force this Argentinian side in their own 22. We know that. Has Nicolas Sanchez got the game management, uh, for your mind, Justin, to get Argentina out of the tight spots in this test? Not on his own. I don't think Sumo. I think I think he's a good player. I think he's uh, shown some good ability to adapt and adjust into the international environment. And he is learning to game manage. But for me, one of the key players that I'm just bamboozled about is... Um, Juan Martini Hernandez, like, you know, he's such a, a, an experienced player, a gifted player, and he never really seems to be assertive enough in their game plan and maybe take a little bit of that responsibility off um, Sanchez. So, you know, if he, can, if he can just help out in that game management and Sanchez doesn't have all of that responsibility, which I don't think he copes with that well, they may get a better balance. And with Hernandez at 12 instead of fullback, maybe that may help them. Marcia, I want to finish with uh, with another point. Something just outside the game here, but over the last two weeks, since that second test match against Australia, uh, there has been some uh, major condemnation of a perceived attitude creeping into this All Blacks side, an attitude of arrogance, for want of a better word. Uh, do you think that the All Blacks, in their continued success, are running the risk of letting that get to them, uh, both organisationally and as individuals, or is this just part of the, uh, I guess, approaching Lions tour and what we know will be the media cycle around that? Pretty much the, the second part of what you, you <laughs> felt that, uh, where it's coming from. It's media, it's a lot of propaganda, really, isn't it? And look, uh, it's the All Blacks are the envy of the sporting world, not just the rugby world, with their success rate is, is unmatched anywhere in, in the game any team would love to have their winning ratio. And with, with winning um, comes a certain amount of arrogance. There's no doubt about that. But that arrogance is also um, stems through to confidence. You know, if you've got a little bit of arrogance and confidence, you've got to have that about about you. Because if you're, if you're the best team in the world, and if you're the team that everybody strives to be, every single person, every single individual, every single team wants to knock you off your perch. So if you don't back yourself and don't have a slight bit of arrogance that that's not going to happen, then you don't deserve to be there. The All Blacks, I believe, though, this chat is unfounded. They've got their balance right. They're still very humble. You watch them after the game, they're always uh, very good with interacting with the opposition players. 
And they, they certainly don't take the game off the field. Hey, if they're arrogant on the field and they're winning, I don't care. That, that's, that's the sport. And if they've got that right and they've got that balance right, long may they continue to do it. But I certainly don't buy into the fact that they're not um, showing humility off the field. So I, I, I think they are. They're a nice group of guys, Sumo. You've been around them as much as I have. And they treat everyone with a greater amount of respect, including their opposition. And uh, yeah, I think it's um, it's been it's got too much publicity already. Marshy, always a pleasure to chat to you, mate. Thanks for spending time on the Rugby Pass podcast today. Enjoy the Test match, buddy, and uh, we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Simo. Justin Marshall joining us on the Rugby Pass podcast. That'll do us for this week. Two great test matches to look forward to. Don't forget the top 14 and the Aviva Premiership back in action as well. And you can catch all of those matches live on Rugby Pass. Go to rugbypass.com today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.